Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Oh, man. It's, uh, I mean, you know, we tried to do all we could. You know, we went over there and saw him and just tried to, to give, like you said, give as much support as, as you can in a situation like that. Uh, nobody, nobody wanted to continue to play the game in, in a, in a situation like that. And, uh, you know, I know how everybody would be feeling in our locker room if it was, if it was one of our guys and I know how we were feeling and it was one of their guys. Uh, so it was uh, a scary emotional night. I mean, I think collectively every single person that, that plays the game of football and has played has thought about something ha- like, like that happening. And at the same time that you're thinking that, thinking that it would never happen to you or to anybody that, that you know. And I think it was a, a big wake-up call for for everybody that – you know that's a possibility. It it can happen, and um, it's part of the game. Unfortunately, I think you know there's nothing you can do about that hit. That happened. That hit happens on on every play of of every single game, and so that's that's the scary part about it. Uh, welcome to brother from another. I have to say, uh, every time I hear from Joe Burrow, you probably feel the same way too. If you're watching on uh, Peacock TV, listening on Sirius XM Channel 85, or, or however you consume the show, you probably think this. Every time you hear from Joe Burrow, you're impressed. I mean, I, I felt that way about Joe Burrow before he even uh, was drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. I remember he was in Indianapolis, and the Bengals at that time were a laughingstock, and he was being asked, would you want to be drafted by the Bengals? And some people give a political answer there. He said, absolutely, I would love it. He grew up in Athens, Ohio. It's not very far from Cincinnati and uh, went to Ohio State briefly, uh, wound up at LSU and said, sure, it'd be an honor to be drafted first overall by the Bengals. And from that moment to this one, every statement that Joe Burrow makes is on point. And and it's this is the most important time uh, to be on point. Bengals, Bills, that game, there's still some discussions about how the NFL will handle that game was stopped. As you know, it was seven to three Cincinnati. And then the, the, the awful, the awful sequence happened. Wound up with uh, bill safety, Damar Hamlin uh, on a stretcher surrounded by his teammates and the Cincinnati Bengals and taken off to the university of Cincinnati medical center where he remains in critical condition. But uh, here's the good news. Mike Jones, Mike Jones uh, of, the, of the athletic joins us. The good news is he is in doctors say he has made remarkable improvement, substantial improvement since Monday night where he had to be resuscitated on the field. Uh, CPR is administered. He suffered cardiac arrest right there, right there on, on a football field. But now uh, doctors are encouraged by his progress. His father, uh, Mike uh, Mario, Mario Hamlin spoke with the Bills today via Zoom, 
it just and, and that, you know, according to sources, you know, that was uh, a great moment for them that uh, that that gave them some reassurance and allowed them to kind of still keep Damar in their prayers, obviously in thoughts, but also to start thinking about playing football on Sunday. And it looks like that's going to happen. Uh, Mike, I just want to, I haven't heard you weigh in on this, uh, just as, especially with the developments. You know, what's your take yeah. on, uh, and take is not even the right word. What are your thoughts? That's a, that's a better way of saying it. What are your thoughts on, on what you've learned in the last 24 to 36 hours? I think watching that game was the first time I've ever been emotional watching a football game and injury. I mean, we've seen bad injuries before. Um, but that was scary sitting there. I was watching with my kids and everything. And like, everybody was getting choked up. I mean, just that, but to hear, you know, they said last, you know, yesterday, you know, there's some progress. They were weaning him off the ventilator, but there were still questions about the, his mind and if there was any brain damage, but to hear that like right away, he opens his eyes and very shortly after he's writing to the doctors who won the game. That is fantastic because, Hey, even if he had woken up, and say there was some brain damage because there wasn't enough oxygen getting to his brain during that time they were to resuscitate him. You don't know what his quality of life would have been. And there's still questions. He's not out of the woods. But the fact that he had the capability to remember the game and to write and communicate to the doctors is just I, that. I mean, you just got to, you know say your prayers and thank the Lord that he is, you know, making that progress and that it looks like, like they said, looks like his neurological capacities are intact because this is a young man, very talented young man with a bright future. And it just would have been just, you know, it was emotional. It would have been a tragedy for him to not make it out of this, but just that there's hope there that he's going to be okay. I'm sorry. I'm rambling, but it's just like when I, when no, you, it's not a rambling. No, it's like, no, it's not rambling man, at all. I mean, that progress, that hope is just something I think that, his family needed, his teammates needed, and all of us as well um, needed. You know what, Mike, and, and the response, I love the response uh, from the doctor per Adam Kilgore. Uh, the doctor says, yes, you won in the game of life. Who won the game? You did. You won in the game of life because, you know, that's, that's, that's no guarantee. And that's why there was so much, uh, so much emotion. That's why there's so many tears on the field. Guys had no idea. When he, when he left, I mean, if you just really think about it, and and, and look, Mike, I, I'm saying this. It sounds like I'm being critical of the NFL. It sounds like this. I'm not. I'm just saying that once a player is goes through that on the field and is resuscitated on the field and the ambulance goes away and there's no information about what's happening out there on the road, we don't know. We're at the stadium. He's gone. Once that takes place, Game's over, right? Like they just right. and and I don't I don't know if they process it. I don't know. I just know for everybody on the field, they knew that. Sean McDermott right. uh, knew that, and Zach Taylor mentioned right. that yesterday. It's just right. there's no there's nothing else to discuss. The game is over. We're not right. thinking about this. Uh, I, I want to say to you uh, and just and see if you agree with this. When people say this, uh, the cliche is that sports bring people together. Not always. Okay, sports don't always bring people together. Sometimes sports drive people apart. I can tell you, though, sports are strange in a way that uh, some uh, some event that transcends the game can certainly bring people together. 
I have only, yeah. since I've been living in Boston, I've lived in Boston since 1994. And only one time since living here have I rooted for the hated New York Yankees. Only one time, I'll admit it. I'll admit it, I rooted for the Yankees one time. And that was in 2001. It was uh, right. in the aftermath of, of 9-11. And right. you saw what happened to that city. You saw how that city came together. You, see, you saw the devastation to all of us, to the entire country. We were all under attack. But in New York, that's where, that's where it happened. Uh, one, of the, one of the key places. And I, I, I was all about New York then. I rooted for the Yankees. I haven't done it since. <laughs> I haven't done it since. But, but see, that's what, that, that's what sports will do. And in this case... Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are if you are in the same division as the right. Buffalo Bills. If you're competing as Cincinnati is uh, with the Buffalo Bills for a top spot, if you're going to compete with them for a chance to go to the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. You are rooting for all things Buffalo. You're rooting for Demar Hamlin. His toy his toy drive has exceeded, I think, six million dollars. Yeah, I mean this. Yeah. Uh, this is the stuff that really uh, strengthens your faith when it comes to people and it comes to sports driving people in, in the in the right direction. Right. You're, you're exactly right, because we see a lot of foolishness, you know, in our society, in sports, fans, behaviors, you know, in stadiums and things like that. Uh, but for everyone to recognize what really mattered. Um, I think seeing the emotion of those teammates, seeing the hugs that were exchanged between Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and, and Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor, um, you saw here that, look, this is a really tight-knit community. They are fierce competitors, but they have a lot of respect for each other. And then for the fans to have the same amount of respect. And, and Buffalo Bills fans um, are normally – when they play somebody and somebody gets hurt uh, on the opposing team, they normally find their charity and, and, and do that. Yeah. But to see an even bigger community um, reach out and embrace um, and, and try to just support this young man. I mean, I, I don't know how many people that um, I've talked to, I've heard from, ran into at the gym or whatever, you know, just asking, you know, what have you heard? I hope this young man comes through. You know, some guys like, you know, I didn't even know who he was before then, but man, you know, you know, but people right. just recognize, you know, human life and just how scary that was. And so that's why everybody and all the teams, you know, you saw switch their their social media avatars uh, to honor him. That's not a marketing ploy. That's truly them backing him and wanting to show their support for him, for his family, uh, for the Bills. And so, yes, um, we do have hope. Our society, you know, we are crazy, but we yeah. do have a little bit still left yeah you know on the flip side uh one of our producers uh in boston uh showed me a clip last night we were talking about how fans can go you know fans could be have uh their perspective a little warped uh there was a uh and you may have you may have heard about this story a few years ago this led the news in philadelphia uh, my philadelphians out there you remember this one um a guy was arrested and it said, hey, do you have anything to say? You know, he, he robbed a store, took like $1,000 worth of merchandise. He's caught on camera. Would have taken more, but somebody caught him before he could do more damage. So they, they match up the footage and they track down the guy and he's being, he's, he's handcuffed and he's being taken away. Do you have anything to say? He says, go Eagles. <laughs> That's it. 
Go Eagles. That's all he had to say. So, so the Eagles, hey, look, we got a diverse fan base. We, yeah. we got fan. We we got fans. We got fans uh, uh, who are doing right by society, doing helping people, and we have fans who who might try to take something from you if you don't lock your doors. So, hey, we we're for everybody. We're an inclusive organization. It was great. Let me ask you this: We get back to football, though. We are going to get back to football. Looks like it on on Sunday. Looks like the Bills are going to play their game against the Patriots. Looks like the Bengals are going to play their game against the Ravens. There may not be any scheduling changes for Sunday, the final week of the regular season, but Bill's Bengals is still in the balance. What's the right way to handle that, Mike? Because you still have two teams who are up there, as I said, fighting for that number one spot. You got Kansas City, you got Buffalo, you got Cincinnati, all with, with strong cases to make for the top spot in the AFC. And then the games would normally determine it, but this game is not going to be played. How the, what's the best way to handle it? Yeah, you know, it, it is very tricky, um, and uh, there there sounds like it's headed toward not resuming that game, um, but there is no official decision yet. I just to check with somebody who said, no, we're still uh, mulling over a lot of different scenarios there. Um, they could move it to maybe the Thursday night, but then what does that do for uh, your playoff game? Does that mean you push your Sunday night game uh, back to the Tuesday, but then that cuts you short for the next game after that? I mean, I think that you just have to first see what happens on Sunday if say Buffalo loses um, then you know Kansas City's got the number one seed and there's no question and then you can just roll hey do it as a no contest and here's your seating like that um, you know if Buffalo wins Kansas City win all this stuff then it, it is more complicated but you know again there's a lot of different things they can do the right thing I really go back and forth in my mind because you know home field advantage is so important Say that right. Buffalo get that home field advantage and they have to go to Kansas City. Now, they've proven during the regular season they can win at Kansas City, but still, playoffs are a little bit different. And say they lose, and then it's like, were they penalized because of this type of thing here? Um, you know, I, I feel like the league has got to try to, you know, give the flexibility that they can. I mean, they could move that bye week um, that's there, eliminate the, the bye week for the Super Bowl um, and make sure you get it in. But then everybody's I don't I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is. I've been talking to a lot of people and everybody I talk to uh, is still kind of up in the air on what they think the right thing is. And there's a lot of going back and forth, a lot of different scenarios. Um, but, you know, again, you don't want to see somebody penalized because of something like this. Right. Uh, but, right. Exactly. You know, that's the thing. That's the main thing. Um, but the way it shakes out, you know, if you go Kansas City one, Buffalo two, you know, maybe everybody's okay with that. Yeah, and you know what I don't want to see, Mike? I've heard this. I've heard the whole neutral field thing, like, you know, Kansas City's the one, and uh, you know, they're co-number ones. And if it comes to a point where they have to meet in the AFC Championship game, you play in a neutral field. I don't like that. Right. I'm telling you why I don't like it. Um, home, as you said, home field advantage does matter. I don't right. want to see conference. I don't want to see a conference championship game played at a neutral site. No. One, two. The local economy. Yeah. Like, don't penalize the lo- don't uh, penalize the local economy. So yeah. if if, it's, if if you take it out, if it's going to be Kansas City, you take it out of Kansas City. There are lots of businesses. Uh, a small business is and people around the stadium who are benefiting from that just that big event right. and hotels right. uh, and, and all these uh, restaurants 
from a, a conference championship game. It's a big deal. The league does a great job with this. Same thing in Buffalo. If right. Buffalo earns the number one seed, you take that out of it and you go to a neutral side. It just takes away some of the uh, takes away the economy. One, yeah. the pageantry, and the pageantry does matter to me. Does that make yeah. me a bad person for saying that? But no. I, I I feel that way. No, but you're totally right. And okay, say you've got, you know, Jim Smith here who's got tickets, he's going to take his family, but then adding the burden of flying somewhere else too, you know, you're oh, killing a right. portion of the fan base, you know. Um, I think that that, I mean, the whole fan experience, that adds to the atmosphere of the game too. So I'm not a fan of that going neutral either. Um, I, I figured out some way, keep it as close to normal as you possibly can, um, you know, and and yeah, because economy, yes, but also the fans, you know, that they would suffer because of this. And um, I, I just think that's a bad idea. You know, I, I, I saw this. I want to get this, uh, get your take on this before we uh, get out of here. You know, Bobby Wagner is, I know they had some Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame announcements yesterday. Jim Trotter was a big part of that. What do you call him? Lord Trotter? Is that what you call him? Lord Trotter. Yes, sir. Lord Trotter. I know Lord Trotter was a part of the Hall of Fame announcements. They had them yesterday uh, cutting that field down. And uh, what one day Bobby Wagner will be on that list. And for my money, he's on their first ballot. Great player. So Wagner was amazing uh, with the Seattle Seahawks for many years. Uh, he was a captain. He's the, 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 the last re- remaining member of the Legion of Boom. He had a lot of things going for him. Seattle moves on from him. And it's what uh, Bobby Wagner who's now with the Rams. They played the Seahawks on Sunday in the final game. Uh, This is what Bobby Wagner had to say about his time in Seattle. It's a lot of emotions, man, to be honest. But like I said, last time I played him, I'm a master of of my emotions. And, um, you know, but it's going into a stadium. I've been thousands of times, like played hundreds of times. And, um, you know, to be in a position to spoil their playoff hopes is always a good position, something worth playing for and you know it'd be fun to go back there be be back in front of those fans that spent so much time um and it should be a fun game now more than that now okay that, that's a fine quote okay that's a fine quote but i want I, I i want that to launch something else and i was just thinking about this we we talk about how much fan bases connect with their players Right. I think Bobby Wagner is, is is a great example of why players sometimes say, "Okay, spare me the sentimentality, right? Spare me the pl- the platitudes. Hey, I want a guaranteed contract. I'm holding right. out until I get what I want." Because think about this, Mike. Bobby Wagner played at an All Pro level for the Seattle Seahawks. He established their brand. He was like the, the, one of their leaders on defense did everything he was supposed to do on the field, off the field. And this organization didn't have the good sense to sit him down before they released him to say, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, We appreciate you. We love you. This is a business move, but you deserve more than finding out on Twitter. So right, right. So look, when, when players when players hold out, when players have a little bit of an edge to them, when players seem to be a little bitter, and fans go, well, well, what's the big deal? You know, you got a good life. No, come on. 
I've done everything I'm supposed to do. At least show me the common courtesy. At least show me some decency and handle this the right way. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, because, again, these guys, as we just saw Monday night, are putting their lives, their bodies on the line for these organizations. They are putting so many hours and hours and sacrifices in. And then to not be treated with the same type of respect and commitment that they give those organizations, yeah, you can't blame those guys for, for you know, not right. being as loyal. I mean, because they know that, look, eventually they're going to just kick me to the side uh, and not do for me what I did for them. So I don't fault them at all for holding out, right. for trying to get as much as they possibly can, because they know that that window of opportunity is very small. And the show is going to go on well beyond their careers. And so they've got to get what they can and make sure they are taken care of, their families are taken care of, uh, because they may respect and love that organization, but that organization's love runs out rather quickly. I think a challenge. Okay, so here, here's the uh, last thing I'll tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you some personal stuff, Mike. Uh, get ready. I'm going to tell you some personal stuff. For, for a change, I'm not going to put your personal business out there. Thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my personal business out there. So New Year's, uh, New Year's resolutions. But I don't necessarily have resolutions. I have areas. Oh, right. I have concepts. I have concepts. And so okay. when you fail, okay, it's not over. It's a process. You just restart it. So one of the things I want to do the new year is take more chances. That was one of the things. Okay. Take more chances. Take more chances. Okay. Uh, don't don't play it safe. Take some risks. I don't know how, what that means. Uh, there'll be appropriate risk. Uh, there will be appropriate chances. I'll take some chances. But the other thing is, and I, I think this is for all of us as a uh, sports viewing body, as sports lovers, try to see just a little bit more, move 5% forward. Try to see the humanity in the athletes that we watch. Yes. Try just, what can, what can you do to see the humanity in these athletes? I'm not saying you should... Oh, don't get excited about your games and, uh, you know, don't boo people. Don't yell at them. No, but understand that that's all a sport. What you're doing is a sport as well. But when all that stuff is aside, you are dealing with a human being. So I think Bobby Wagner and uh, unfortunately, DeMar Hamlin, that's a reminder for all of us. Underneath that helmet, behind that face mask. Uh, a, a human being with a family, with people who love them, people who support them. They are, they are, they're not just a number out there in a vacuum. Right, right. No, I agree with you 100%. Could not have said that better. Um, that's what I always, when I do stories, I try to show that humanity side because people, people, they don't, they don't get it because um, they don't talk to these guys. They don't see we're what they go through, you know, but we're starting, we're, we're, we're starting. Get, we're getting it in Let's 23. Let's pray that we don't forget. That's right. Mike Jones, we won't forget you. Don't forget us. You know, Thank you. you know the number. Not. You know the address. You know the address here. Just pop on by. Thanks. That's what we tell everybody. Just swing on through anytime you want to. Always great talking with you, brother. We'll catch up with you soon. Hey. Good talking to you. See you soon. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, listen. Uh, if you think that scoring has been up, if you just feel that scoring has been up this year, uh, it's not just anecdotal evidence. It is actual facts. People are scoring more. People are, there are more 40-point games in the league this year already. 88 games where there have been 40 points or more in the 2022-23 season. We already had one. Uh, we had one the other night where uh, Donovan Mitchell scored 71. We had one last night where Kevin Durant scored 44 in a losing effort. Uh, to the Chicago Bulls, snapping the uh, Nets' 12-game winning streak. Uh, Tom Haberstroh, I know you follow these things. What, what do you make? Uh, what do you make of the scoring uptick? And is it a good thing for the league going forward? Yeah, I think it is a good thing for the league going forward because it draws more attention to the superstars. It draws more attention to how talented these giants are. And I say giants because what we're seeing today more than we have ever in NBA history is guys like Zion Williamson, Nikola Jokic, Demonis Sabonis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, guys who in other eras would be centers. They're being point guards for their team. And what they're doing is the offense is being revolved around them. Can you imagine, if you will, if Shaq was in this era, Michael Hawley, what he would be like if they decided, hey, let's put the ball in your hands and be like Zion Williamson and be a point guard. Because Shaq, for people who don't remember, he could move when he was coming up through uh, LSU and Orlando. The guy could run point guard. He had handle. But, of course, in an era where they just want to park you on the block and have you post up, he was not being recognized for his breadth of talent and his skill. So what we're seeing now is guys like Zion Williamson don't have to wait for the uh, for the point guard to get him the ball. He just gets the rebound and goes. And so that's why you're seeing partly why um, a lot of these scoring totals are so much higher is because guys like uh, Giannis and Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid just start. They don't have to wait and run the offense. They just get the ball and go. So we're getting more space in the NBA, a lot more three-point shooting, and that affords more oxygen for guys like Giannis to get into the paint and, and Donovan Mitchell to get into the paint. He doesn't have to deal with Rudy Gobert anymore, hogging up the paint. He can just go at, to the rack and get 71. So we're seeing a lot of just players taking ownership of that possession and scoring in droves. 
Okay, so on the flip side, and, and I, I like the scoring too. I asked you the question that I, I knew what I, how I felt about it. I agree with you. I think it's great for the league. I think it's great to showcase talented players and allow them to just dis- display all of their skills. But on the flip side, does it hurt guys like Rudy Gobert? I mean, they had a, you've got a specialty. You're a rim, we always talk about rim protection. Hey, we got to defend the post. I know you still have to defend the post, but do they lose value? Because if they're starting out on the wings, doesn't that bring more value to wings than it does to fours and five, traditional fours and fives? Yeah, it's certainly a lot more demanding on defenders, especially big rim protectors like Rudy Gobert. Um, they they replaced Rudy Gobert in Utah with a guy named Walker Kessler, a first round pick who was a great shot blocker out of um, out of Arizona, I believe. And he was essentially brought into the, the league as like, all right, we'll 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 kind of make you the backup. Um, and then suddenly they realized, like, we can get 80 percent of Rudy Gobert with this rookie shot blocker because it's. You know, Rudy Gobert's talent as a rim protector in the playoffs, it just almost becomes obsolete because of the 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 uh, the scatting report is just so much more difficult um, when when everyone is studying your skill set and it just becomes so much more difficult for you to um, you know put your imprint on the game. But I will point out this: uh, the rules are so offensively focused. Um, the other night, there was a play in the Golden State Warriors and Knicks game that I want to point out where one of the Warriors players defended a three-point shot closeout on a three-pointer by a Knicks player, and he landed. The defender landed like two feet inside the three-point arc, but the three-point shooter for the Knicks put his leg out and landed on Ty Jerome, the Golden State Warriors' foot, and because of the rules... Not only was Ty Jerome, who went up like this and contested it straight up, but landed two feet in, in inside the line. Not only was he called for a foul, Michael, he was called for a flagrant foul. And so what message does that send for defenders that are contesting it, landing their feet two feet inside a three-point arc, and they're being called for flagrants because it was in, interpreted as being in the landing zone of the three-point shooter? What that message sends to defenders is, you can't really defend. You can't really defend your guy like you used to, even if it seems legal. Um, it's being very difficult. Uh, the onus is being put on defenders more than we have ever seen in the NBA. It's so hard to guard in today's NBA. And I think the trade-off is better for business, more high scoring affairs. And you know what? If Rudy Gobert isn't going to get as much shine, I think the NBA is going to take that. Well, Tom, most teams have played about 40, 41 games. Most teams have played half of their schedule so far. Here we are, early January, first week of January. So who's that benefit? Uh, in, in, the Eastern, in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, the way the rules are right now, offensive, uh, favorable toward the offense, uh, favorable to players who are explosive players who can just do their thing anywhere on the, on the court, which teams are going to benefit the most from that? Well, I think still, if we're talking about the long run, it's going to have to be two-way players, teams that have the two-way guys, the versatile guys. I still believe in Draymond Green's quote, they're 82-game guys, and then there's 16-game guys. And what he means by that is 16 games to win a championship in the playoffs. You have to be able to play both ends of the floor. And still, um, I think that in the Eastern Conference, we need to – you know, focus more on the 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 Milwaukee Bucks when they get Chris Middleton back. Giannis Antetokounmpo is as good as anybody in the two-way game. It's going to be hard for teams that are so offensively challenged 
to or defensively challenged to hang in the playoffs. So even though we're seeing defense in the regular season be marginalized a little bit, uh, I still think when it comes to the crunch time in the playoffs, the rules are going to change a little bit and i think the defenders that can own your paint own your space on the floor are still going to be much much more beneficial in the long run two-way guys that is the way of the nba in the playoffs so like marcus smart even though he just got fined for for obscenities directed at an official i still think guys like (laughs) that you need those guys to do the dirty work in the playoffs even though defense is kind of taking a step back Marcus and saying Marcus uh, Smart got fined for obscenities toward an official is an understatement. Like, he's that guy. Is that news anymore? We all know people <laughs> like this. Yeah, he always takes it like eight steps further than you think. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. You read his lips. You're like, okay, that's enough. Oh, he said more. You know, are you threatening people? Are you saying, you know, let, let's go out, let's go outside. That's a bunch of this, and I'm going to do this. Like Marcus, when he snaps. He really, he really snaps. But I think uh, every every championship team needs a guy like that. Wait, here, here's a question, and we let's figure this out in real time. Tom, when's the last championship team that didn't have a crazy dude? I can't think of one. Like the Warriors, oh, Draymond. Uh, All right, so the, the Raptors, the crazy dude on the Raptors, would that be Kyle Lowry when they won it in 2019? I would say maybe. Oh, I say, I mean, Kyle- yeah, yeah, yeah. I right, say Lowry's like he there. does the things that most players don't want to do. He's taking the charges. He's talking. So Kyle Lowry counts. Um, yeah, I mean the Miami Heat had Udonis Haslam. They had Chris Anderson, Birdman. I mean, you have to go everybody, back. Everybody. <laughs> they got I, everybody. I think everybody. Maybe the, the Spurs. <laughs> and the Spurs. The Spurs had uh, several of them. I mean, one year Stephen Jackson was on the Spurs when they won a championship. That was in the early days. Uh, Bruce, but the Spurs. Yeah. My, my, Bruce Bowen my would get under people's skin. Yeah, for sure. But my favorite Spurs team was their last championship team. And I can't think of a crazy. That was uh, 2014. They beat Miami. Uh, they were great. I, I really loved that team. That was, a, that was a team that nobody played over in the regular season. Nobody played over 30 minutes per game. I don't think they had a true nutty guy. Maybe Pop. Maybe Pop would disqualified. <laughs> Maybe I, Pop. I, I don't know. I think... Maybe uh, is Boris Diaw considered uh, in that category? I don't think I don't think he does. But you know, at San Antonio, they got enough crazy on that coaching staff that I think you're absolutely right that he fulfills that 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 category. I, I want to ask you about the Warriors and uh, starting with as I put in the feed the the my, my favorite seven seconds of basketball last night. I'm watching this game and it's crazy. I'm like, okay, the the ten and thirty, the previously ten and thirty. Detroit Pistons taking on a Warriors team that has kind of found a, a little bit of a rhythm. You know, uh, Clay had, you know, 50, 54 the other night. And so he's, he's got it going. Uh, they got the Pistons at home. They're terrible. They'll beat the Pistons and they go back and forth in the final five, six seconds. Clay hits a three and starts doing a little dance. And then Detroit hits a three to win it. What do you think about the Warriors? No Steph, and, and what did you think about that moment last night? It was it's great, and and it speaks to the idea of parity this season. And even with Steph and Curry out, and the and the injuries that they've suffered, it still is you know any given Sunday still in the NBA. I mean, I know that's an NFL term, but it's true in the any given night in the NBA. You can see outcomes like that, and that's true 
um, for the Warriors as defending champions, as much moxie and as, as much talking and, and trash talking that you see with Clay Thompson, you can still get a guy like Sadiq Bey who just hits an incredible shot. I mean, he barely even touched the ball on the three-pointer, the, the game winner. It was incredible. And it reminded me of Donovan Mitchell when he purposely makes it, misses the free throw. And I didn't even see him touch the ball when he got the rebound and made the put back and fell onto the ground to send it into overtime en route to 71 points. Again, Holly, the, the skill in today's NBA is outrageous. And when we talk about the space that these guys have and the ability to shoot from long distance, you're going to get a lot of variance, a lot of weird outcomes, a lot of weird. Did you see with Shea Gilgis Alexander out the Oklahoma City Thunder oh. out on their home on their home floor? put 150 up against the Boston Celtics. And so that's the stuff that that's the stuff I'm talking about where any given night, any given Sunday in the NBA, it's true that we're going to see some crazy outcomes. And a lot of that is because of the three pointer and the variance of just, you make it, you miss it. It's going to be a big variance of outcomes. And so I think when you get hot like that, uh, anything can happen. And I don't know. I mean, this is an interesting debate. Is the NBA at its best when it has, a 70-win Warriors team going against a 60-win Cavs team, LeBron versus uh, Stephen Curry? Or is the NBA at its best when there's like 15 title contenders? I would argue that from a business perspective, it's probably better to have for the national audience, the international audience, to have two superpowers going against each other. I agree. But I'm open to ideas. If you think that this parity is a good thing for the league in the long run, or you think they do need two elite teams going at it. No, he needs the stars, man. People love the stars. You know, look at that. All-star voting out today. Who's topping the all-star voting? Oh, no surprises. LeBron James still. Uh, and, and Kevin Durant. Those guys have been around for a long time. Uh, there's name value, name recognition. People love that. We love the competitive. We love the competitiveness. But I think the people like stars. They love the star power. All right. Here's the final thing. Look. Uh, Tom, I know you remember in the very early days of the pandemic, think March, April, 2020. Early days of the pandemic. I don't want to remember. Sorry. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I know, but but the, here, here's, the, here's the, the nosy thing we all did when we were introduced to Zoom. Now, Zoom is just, eh, it's just standard now. But back then, like, what? Zoom? What am I supposed to do? What? Uh, my connection? I got Wi-Fi? I, I'm, I'm glitching? All these things happen. But we used to just like peer into people's houses. Like what they got going on back there? What's it looking in the background? What's up? What's up? So I'm doing that right now. I see behind you, you have some shoes by the door. Very nice pair of shoes and slippers, shoes. I don't know. And then <laughs> you have a doll. What the hell's going on? You got a doll on a chair. Wait, I what thought is we were talking doll? about all-star votes, and now we're talking about my Anthony no, no. Davis it's a, Pelican it's doll Anthony, right behind my left oh, of shoulder. Course. Of course it's Anthony Davis on his back, injured, not able to play. <laughs> of, course that's, of course that's Anthony Davis. I, I, I should have thought of that. I should have thought that was Anthony Davis. You need to put like a, put a little blanket over him or something like that or put a bandage on the doll, take care of him. How's the doll doing? What, but going to be there for like the next six to eight weeks or indefinitely? Man, the doll's going to be there indefinitely. 
What's funny about that, Holly, is that it's a Pelicans daub from when the All-Star voting a few years ago, they sent me as a, as part of the media um, a, a little care package <laughs> with Anthony Davis, and he's leading Zion Williamson, a current Pelican, by 200,000 votes, I think, for the All-Star, which is kicking Zion out of the, the, the starter uh, category, so... I think that actually is probably like um, a little symbol that, that I think he is laid up and maybe Zion Williamson needs to get back onto the floor, take that starting spot. And yeah, those are slippers, man. It's like 70 degrees out here in, in Charlotte. It's a, finally feels like a spring day here. So I kicked those slippers off and I was like, I don't need those anymore. It's a nice day here. So let me tell you what, man. I thought you were going to talk about star power, but maybe I just need to spend the next 20 minutes giving you a tour of my office here. Uh, well, next time, next time we got to go. But <laughs> next time, next time we come on, Tom, we will take a tour of your office. Always great to catch up with you, man. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Holly. Appreciate you uh, making me take off my hat and embracing the ball. That's right. That's right. We know we are all about the ball, a brother from another. I, I'm guessing that our next guest after you, somebody's in queue. I'll bet they're bald. I'm just going to throw it out there. Thanks, Tom. You got it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the State of New York has received 212. <laughs> Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the State of California has received 201. No member elect having received the majority of the votes cast, a speaker has not been elected. Dr. Jason Johnson is here and and look look doc first of all happy new year great to see you happy new great year. sweatshirt <laughs> you still you. got the Thank tree up the tree <laughs> I was on vacation I haven't I haven't taken that tree I just got back <laughs> hey, I haven't either I haven't either I, 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 I'm not here I'm not here to criticize just an observation look and we always say Dr. Jason Johnson folks need to know like you're the real deal man you are I'm no political scientist you are a political scientist. What I do, 
You know what? I come to politics. I come to politics the same way I come to hockey. I'm just here for the fights. And we got a good fight. We got a good fight. Please explain to us what's going on with the GOP. Because I said to my wife uh, last night, I said, I need to talk to Dot Johnson about this. Because I was under the, the false impression that Kevin McCarthy was one of those hardliners. If he ain't a hardliner, I'm afraid of who the hardliners really are. Why don't they like him? What's going on here? You can continue the hockey metaphor. I'm going to continue it for you. It, it's, it's unnecessary fighting between white folks that for some reason is covered like it's not the anomaly that it should be. Okay, Fight, <laughs> fights in basketball become national news. Fights in hockey, people say, oh, we should discuss this. It's part of the game. This is what we see happening right now. Now, I, I can make this very clear for you. K-Mac, Kevin McCarthy, the man who would be speaker, the man who desperately wants to have the power to do absolutely nothing except frustrate Kamala Harris and Joe Biden for the next two years, wants to become speaker. He's got to get 218 votes, 220 votes to actually become speaker. He is not going to be a speaker. If you're trying to log into Facebook, <laughs> that's the one that's not a speaker, okay? As of right here, right now. Um, they are voting, I believe, the eighth time for him to be rejected. Now, I didn't watch all those seasons of Sex in the City to not understand the basic concept of they're just not that into you. But Kevin McCarthy clearly doesn't understand that. He seems to think that even though he is 20 votes short, of becoming speaker, that if he continues over and over again with these votes, that somehow the the, the, the Matt Gates and the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world are going to turn around and vote for him. And here's the other part to remember. The government can't start until we have a speaker. So this isn't wow. just schadenfreude of watching the Republicans, uh, you know, their sort of uh, dime store terrorist organization screw up the government. This affects your taxes. This affects national security issues. This affects funding to health care. This has major consequences. But that's what happens when you have one party that actually wants to govern the Democrats and the other, which is a dime store front for a terrorist organization that's about to celebrate their two year anniversary tomorrow. Well, we're getting there. I, I, want, I want to talk about that in a second, but I, I want to ask a follow up on this. So how is it resolved? Uh, it, it can keep going eighth time, ninth time, 10th time. It, that's clearly not going to happen. So how do we get to a point where we can move forward? Uh, I don't know. And that's the honest goodness truth. Look, here's the funny thing. You got Hakeem Jeffries, who is the Democrat, uh, who will be the minority leader or potentially speaker, if only six Republicans voted for Hakeem Jeffries, he would be speaker and it'd all be over, right? So it's not as if the threshold to make Hakeem Jeffries speaker is actually a lot smaller than the threshold to wow. make Kevin McCarthy speaker. That's the other part that makes this so crazy. I honestly, Holly, I don't know how this is resolved because the 20 Republicans who refused to vote for McCarthy, they have made a blood oath that they're never gonna vote for this man one way or another. I don't see why he doesn't step down. Look, he is he is at this point like the Carson Wentz of Congress. At one point, he looked great. At one point, he was the future, the MVP. But there's this number of times that you can fail before we just have to reset, you're not the guy. So I have no idea how this ends. The ninth vote. The ninth vote is happening right now. And that ain't going... <laughs> And, and that's not going down either. Uh, that's not going to turn out the way McCarthy wants it. Uh, but I, 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 was, I was talking to uh, Gary Carter, uh, our intrepid producer before the show. I said, <laughs> wow, tomorrow is January 6th. 
Tomorrow is January 6th, an anniversary of sorts. And and now that we are now we're two years past it. What have we learned? What have you learned? Now, in retrospect, you look at that day and now right. here we are just looking back. You know, what, what should we take away from it? Well, here's the thing, Holly. We don't have to look back. What is happening in Congress right now is the result of January 6th. And I always point out to people, I was on the show, brother from another mother, on January 6th. Yeah. Me and you, like, yeah. We were all talking when that was happening that day in Washington, D.C. When you don't hold terrorists and insurrectionists accountable, they will continue to stay and clog up and poison government. Those 20 people who are refusing to vote for Kevin McCarthy, those are your insurrectionists. And the rest of the Republican Party that refuses to just vote for Hakeem Jeffries or expunge those people, those are the ones who have spent the last two years trying to cover up for January 6th, justifying January 6th. Kevin McCarthy has been running around kissing everybody's butt, right? But you know what? There is no O-dog this time that you can just go to and offer anything <laughs> because these aren't people who can be easily convinced to vote for you. So I, I, I look at January 6th as the beginning of a long-term coup and insurrection in this country, it's still going. The fact that you can have the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and, and, and Chris Race and so many other people who are directly or indirectly involved in either that attack or covering up for that attack, and none of those people have seen jail time. None of those people have seen jail time. I don't care about the, the, the shaman with the hat who sat on Nancy Pelosi's desk. I don't care about these low-level people, many of whom get thrown in jail, but they're allowed to leave to go on vacation or see their kids' graduation. There were members of Congress that calls were coming from inside the House. There are thieves in the temple, as Prince told us 35 years ago. And none of those people have been held accountable, and that's how you have a government that's in a giant circle of nine votes because they don't want to govern, they just want to rule. Yeah, you, you remember uh, just a few weeks ago, Dave Chappelle uh, on Saturday Night Live where he, he, he had this little uh, rhetorical thing where he said, we've been on that. Okay, Y'all finding this out now? We've been on that, okay? Right. So you think about it, that day, that day, January 6th, we're all, we're on the air, and we're, we're talking about it in real time. And I think we all said, and, and this is nothing to be proud of. I mean, it, it's our country, so you don't want to be right about it, but right. we were right about it, saying this, this, this is just the tip of it. We're just scratching the surface. We're going to find yeah. out how deep this was. We're going to find out who was involved. There are people who are storming the Capitol. All of them are not on the fringes of society. Some of them are your neighbors. Some of them are your <laughs> doctors. There's one here in Ashland, Massachusetts, a doctor who was there at the insurrection, you know, right there, like trying to hurt somebody. So mm -hmm. it is after all doc, I'm saying this and, and I'm not proud to say it after all of the panels all of the research, all of the footage, I still haven't seen or heard anything where I go, wow, I can't believe that happened. Like, have you have you seen anything no. or heard anything where you're like, oh, that couldn't happen here? I mean, this is this is really <laughs> what a segment, a segment of the country is, correct? Yeah, but but here's the thing, Holly, it's a segment of the country. It's funny, Republicans right now are saying, you know, we can't let 10% of the party control what 90% of the party does. But that's not really how it works. One, because they're not a party. And two, because they've all been covering for each other, right? This isn't, this isn't ancient. And when I've seen everything that we saw in the January 6th hearings last year, 
All it showed me is how much deeper this goes, which we always knew, which we always suspected, and the lack of accountability. Think about the fact that this is now we're heading towards a two-year anniversary. Where's Merrick Garland? Oh, that's right. He passed the ball, right, four months ago to some other person who most Americans don't know who will also do nothing. And now the investigations themselves have come to an end because the moment Republicans take over as if Kevin McCarthy somehow becomes speaker or some other Republican becomes speaker, all of the January 6th committee information is thrown in the circular file. They're not going to investigate any of that. They're going to be looking at the Hunter Biden's laptop and, and what Joe Biden had for breakfast. This is how empires fall. This is how countries are destroyed. I don't know how anybody can be shocked that this is what happened. And I'll be honest with you, Holly, because it's all connected, right? When we look at large institutions run by money, greed, and to a certain extent, white supremacy, we never see real change. How many times have we talked about how bad what happened on January 6th is and no one's held accountable? How many times are we talking this week about seeing a man almost die on the field on Monday in the NFL? And will there be yeah. one change? Not one. Not one change. Not one person is going to be held accountable. Not one person is going to get a guaranteed contract. Not one person on that field is going to be told, hey, you can't do this again. Not one owner is going to lose access to their team. That's the problem here, that we can't keep looking at these larger issues and saying, man, something's changed, but then the institutions don't change, and we continue to participate with them the same way. You know what, Doc Johnson? You got to come back to co-host. <laughs> we, we never have... We never have we never have enough time. I, I feel like we talk. We just don't have enough time, but always great to see you and, yes. and keep the tree up as long as you want. Keep the tree up as long as you want to. I'm not mad at it. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all new top thrill Two. drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry because this limited time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us on Brother from Another. Today I have a special announcement to make. This is big. Michael Smith will join the show tomorrow. That's right. Michael Smith will join Brother from Another tomorrow. And we're so excited uh, to welcome him to the program. So you don't want to miss it. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Michael Smith here. See you later. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.